Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. The complicated relationship between Donald Trump and his scientific advisors. Often the cameras in the room zoom in to the faces of Dr. Fauci and Dr. Birx to see their reaction, the blinking, the looking from left to right, the crossing of the arms. Could Brexit be delayed? Progress has been glacial, and that's not just because of both sides having to wrestle with dodgy Wi-Fi connections. And why girls will pay the highest price for school closures. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. The US death toll has passed 50,000 in what's the world's deadliest COVID-19 outbreak. The country's seen a quarter of the world's fatalities from the virus. 3,000 people in the United States are confirmed to have died in the past 24 hours. But the US has a lower mortality rate than most European countries, at 1.4%. It follows widespread criticism from the medical community to comments made by Donald Trump that disinfectants and sunlight might be possible treatments for the coronavirus. At a White House briefing, Mr Trump said researchers were looking at the effects of disinfectants and wondered aloud whether they could be injected into people. Soon after, footage circulated on social media of his coronavirus response coordinator, Dr. Deborah Burks, appearing uncomfortable at the suggestion. The Telegraph's US editor, Ben Riley-Smith, says tension between Donald Trump and his scientific advisers is nothing new. One of the most fascinating things to watch at these daily Donald Trump press conferences are his interactions with his scientists. Two of them are almost always there, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's the top infectious diseases expert in the government, and Dr. Deborah Burks, who is the head of the White House Coronavirus Task Force. And these tensions are always playing out in various degrees between Trump's optimism about where the virus will go, possibly with a mind on the November election, and the scientists looking at the hard data. And you can see these coming to the fore in different ways. One of them is Donald Trump attempting to bounce his own advisers into saying statements that back up his positions. So this week, the possibility of a second wave of coronavirus cases in America later in the year was a big talking point. The president said, maybe we won't have another surge of cases. Maybe it will just go away. And at one point, he tried to encourage Dr. Burks to say that. He said, with the cameras rolling, would you agree that it's possible these cases won't surge again in the autumn? And she basically demurred and didn't say yes. And then Dr. Fauci said, I'm certain there will be 
coronavirus in the fall. Another area you can see this playing up is in the president's curious tendency to float unproven scientific treatments for coronavirus. He was a big early backer of hydroxychloroquine, a drug used to tackle malaria that has shown possible signs it could help tackle COVID-19 but is yet unproven. He's come in for criticism for that. And a third way you can see this playing out is when it comes to criticism. We know the president has a pretty thin skin for aides or officials or fellow cabinet ministers publicly taking different positions to him. We've seen him far back at Twitter at them. Uh, we've seen him dismissed some officials. You can see this pressure playing out when the scientific advisors are speaking. They want to deliver the facts and clear guidance to people, but they also will be aware that they don't want to anger the president and suggest they are criticising him in any way. And reporters are constantly trying to tease them onto that position in White House press briefings saying, effectively, do you agree with what the president just said? So these pressures are always playing out in these daily White House press briefings. 16,000 COVID-19 tests for key workers and their families in England have been booked on the government website. The government's aiming to make tests available to all essential workers and family members with symptoms. But the website hit its daily limit within two minutes of opening. NHS and social care staff, teachers, journalists and supermarket workers are among those now eligible. Today, Transport Secretary Grant Shapps insisted the government was on track to meet the target of carrying out 100,000 tests a day by the end of the month. It looks like the trajectory to 100,000 tests uh, by the end of April is going to be uh, met in terms of capacity. Uh, I would say after uh, the experience today, it looks like the demand is there. And if those two things come together, of course, then we will have that 100,000 tests uh, per day uh, ambition met. It comes as The Telegraph revealed Boris Johnson's planning to return to number 10 as early as Monday. The Telegraph's chief political correspondent, Christopher Hope, says Boris Johnson will face two main challenges. The first one is the problem facing the entire country, which is when and how should the lockdown be lifted. The big risk is going too quickly on that, could lead to a bigger second spike in cases, but delaying too long could damage the economy seriously, and further than it has already been damaged by the lockdown so far. The second challenge is a personal level to him. He's a busy man, he's an active man, he's never really been that ill in the past, according to his biographer, Andrew Jimson. So he'll find it quite hard to pace himself and it'll be down to his advisors working with him to make sure that he's very careful, doesn't overdo it. The last thing we need is Boris Johnson ending up once again in his sickbed. The coronavirus outbreak and Brexit, two events described as crises, one primarily health and economic the other, for a time, a political crisis, as the UK government struggled to agree the terms on which to leave the EU. And for many journalists, the former, putting a sense of perspective on the latter. But that's another story. Today, the two became intertwined, as EU chief negotiator Michel Barnier said there were legitimate questions as to whether continuing Brexit talks was out of kilter with the current situation. The UK says it would refuse to extend the transition period beyond December. But what effect is the coronavirus already having on Brexit? Asa Bennett is The Telegraph's Brexit commissioning editor. 
This was meant to be the year Boris Johnson would get Brexit done on January the 31st and dusted on December the 31st by seeing the United Kingdom out of its transition period on time. That massive election win made the first part a cinch, but coronavirus has made the latter much more complicated. COVID-19 has forced the UK and the EU to divert increasing amounts of money, manpower and attention to the raging pandemic rather than preparing for life fully outside of the bloc. The negotiators have suffered, with Michel Barnier and his British counterpart David Frost both laid low and now recovered, only able to meet remotely. Progress has been glacial, and that's not just because of both sides having to wrestle with dodgy Wi-Fi connections, but also because they're still at loggerheads over key issues like how firm a level playing field can be agreed, and what should happen over fishing rights. By the end of June, the UK and the EU have to decide if they want to extend the transition, previously an absurd idea given how firmly Number 10 ruled it out, but now one gaining steam as a way supporters argue to make up for the disruption caused by Covid. The UK government insists that it will not budge in its refusal to string out talks, but perhaps Brussels will give them a way to save blushes by making the first move. The clock is ticking, though, as Monsieur Barnier likes to say, and decisions need to be taken. Just like with the debate over Loxit, namely how to exit the lockdown, no option post-Brexit is without its potential risks. More than one and a half billion children are out of school due to the coronavirus outbreak. It's affecting children's education in more than 190 countries. And now the UNESCO-backed Global Education Coalition is warning continued disruption will exacerbate existing inequalities among the world's young people. Jordan Kelly Linden from The Telegraph's global health security team says girls in less economically developed countries will be the most affected. How do you increase a country's economic prospects, raise whole communities out of poverty and ensure the health and well-being of generations to come? Well, the research suggests you can do all that and more if you just give everyone fair and equal access to education. But right now, the world's education system is in crisis. Currently, more than 1.5 billion children are out of school due to disruption caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. For some, there's the risk of falling behind. But for girls from the poorest backgrounds across the world, it could mean watching their futures disappear completely. We know that with school closures, girls from low-income communities are more vulnerable to increased gender-based violence, early marriage, and are more at risk of child pregnancy. All of these factors mean that of the 750 million girls currently out of school, Many are unlikely to return once the crisis is over. At the end of the day, it's girls who will pay the highest price in the COVID-19 pandemic, unless urgent action is taken now. Captain Tom Moore, the war veteran who walked laps of his garden to raise money for the NHS, has become the oldest person to reach number one in the UK singles charts. The 99-year-old's duet with Michael Ball has sold over 80,000 copies. He'll still be at the top of the chart when he turns 100 on Thursday. I think we can all agree he's become something of a national treasure. And The Telegraph is celebrating the other heroes of life under lockdown, normal people who've inspired and uplifted you, no matter how tough times have got. You can enter them into our lockdown awards to help choose the unexpected heroes of the crisis. Entries are open until the 7th May and details of how to take part in the show notes. Please don't all feel you have to nominate me. I leave you with two recommendations for the weekend. Some of the numbers coming out of the economic crisis are quite staggering and occasionally hard to process and to put into context. My talented colleagues on the video desk have done the hard work for you. 
if you watch one thing this weekend, make it their 15-minute film on whether the global economy can ever recover from COVID-19. The second is an article by one of the volunteers taking part in the vaccine trials at Oxford University. They speak frankly and anonymously about why they're risking their health by being injected with unlicensed vaccine candidates and why being accepted onto the trial felt like making it to the next round in X Factor auditions. It's a really interesting look at how these trials work. After all, the ultimate goal isn't lifting the lockdown, it's finding a vaccine. A link to that article also in the show notes. Don't forget that you can access all our journalism. That's our coronavirus news analysis and opinion pieces and everything else besides completely free for your first week at telegraph.co.uk slash audio. That's all from me until Monday evening. If you have a question you'd like me to cover on next week's show, email me. The address is coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.